Welcome to a brand new episode of Two Please. I'm your host Rohit. That's my line. What? <laughs> I guess I am your co-host Avin. And today we've uh, decided to pick a topic which required the least research from us. And this is, I think, the laziest we've been so far. Since Avin and I both love watching sitcoms, we're like, hey, why not do an episode on sitcoms? You mean to say that we've done actual research on the other fifty episodes we've produced? They're not supposed to. Be. Yeah, they really weren't. So I think, for the sake of everybody, let's just start the show. I am big. It's the picture that got small. All right, we are back. Uh, if if our hints have not been subtle enough, we're doing a sitcom episode. Yes, and uh, we're back to slightly more of the listicle format. Uh, I think that's also because uh, I don't know if if listeners can make it out from sound quality. I hope not. But uh, this week again, I I am not at Abhin's house. We're doing this over Zoom, and I feel there's a sort of correlation between whenever we're doing things on Zoom. Because we're not in the same room, we tend to give the episode a bit of structure, and therefore we're like, "Hey, let's do three of each, whatever. Three each, you do three, I'll do." So I, you know, there's a a flow to the uh, structure to the discussion. But when in the same room, it's just like, "Hey, whatever, we'll just bring it." You really have to stop putting us in the mud because now they think we have no actual structure when it comes to putting episodes together. Like we ever did. Like, <laughs> why are we trying to elevate ourselves? <laughs> Okay, I guess, I Let's guess okay. it is what it is. Yeah, we really, we really are. And I, th- I think at this point, you're probably sick of the number of times that laugh track has popped up. Uh, I apologize in advance. It's going to pop up a significant number of times through this episode. Well, this kernel of an idea that we had in our mind, we are going to take it to its grotesque extreme and have yeah. laugh tracks across the episode. Yeah. Basically, I am going to like the laugh track idea, and it is me with a bat and beating the shit out of it and squeezing every last ounce of Thanks humor. Thanks, man. Should love this. Yeah, <laughs> I got a controversial opinion, but okay. Of course, okay. We're, we're about to fight. I can sense it. Anyway, so the format for this week's episode is quite simple. We're going to do uh, a a list of three for each. Three of our favorite sitcoms and three sitcoms we don't particularly like or actively dislike, with a set of honorable mentions uh, along long the way. Long set of honorable mentions. Long set of honorable mentions. Because we both have watched a lot of sitcoms. Yes. Uh, when I was building on my list, I wanted to make sure I didn't come across as an old man years at cloud kind of guy because I feel very much in that mold at that mo- in the moment. Uh, I'm going through my old man years at cloud. Uh, phase where I am absolutely grumpy and I hate everything. So I have done my best to make sure that uh, my suggestions are acceptable by all and can be understood by all. <laughs> no, also uh, I uh, on my part because I wanted to talk about more sitcoms. Uh, I wanted to fit in as many sitcoms as possible. I was looking for hacks. I was standing up in. If there are common sitcoms in our disliked or liked list, 
hey that saves us that frees up a spot can we bring in one more sitcom like how how can we maximize sitcom coverage cuz uh, this is really hard like doing three is, is i mean i know time constraints demanded but this is so hard i know like which is why like i i get it so and we are essentially the masters of how this thing runs of course yeah. i want people to keep listening to this and it has to like be <laughs> consumable uh, and not just some sort of a like a circle jerk between the two of us in terms of uh, opinions on certain sitcoms so let's yeah, start with I mean, the honorable mentions yeah okay no wait let's just add the forbid again fuck it's hot in here you going okay so you going progress you going to see my hair get more not so much mm. wait what are you yeah no you said something about uh um yeah so i think there is a structure to it but the conversation around the shows and and our likes and dislikes will remain fluid Yeah. So let's let's see. Uh let's start let's with the honorable yeah, the honorable mentions. Where do you want to take this up with? Okay, so straight off the bat, I I was uh I really wanted to make sure that I call this out. Um among my honorable mentions is pretty much the entire Michael Schur verse, which is your office, Parks and Rec, uh Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Good Place, all of it. I would say at least brooklyn and 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 the good place would definitely have been on my good sitcom list mm-hmm. uh probably even parks and rec if not for the fact that we've already done a, a standalone episode on the sure verse where we kind of deep di- dove into all of the uh, all of these sitcoms so i don't really want to retread old ground mm-hmm. but that said those of you who have heard i'm sure i've parroted this enough for those of you who know me in person know that brooklyn and and is probably my favorite sitcom i don't think it is not the sitcom i believe is the best that mm-hmm. is part of my list which i will talk about it's not the best sitcom but it's my favorite because i i just love the characters so that's one honorable mention for me the other honorable mention i just wanted to kind of shout out uh, give a shout out to this uh, sitcom so in the hope that uh, more people watch it which is superstore mm-hmm. this stars um, i forgot his first name this dude called feldman so the, the the guy who plays the lawyer in silicon valley their lawyer him and uh, america ferrera who plays ugly betty they are the main main characters and it's set in a in a costco sort of superstore where you have you know on store buy all kind of thing and it's about the employees of the store it's a very again it's not a very high bro show although there are elements of better workers rights minimum pay i mean they use the setting to talk about these issues it's it's not like at no point is it like gut bustingly hilarious mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's like nice throughout it's 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 got that michael schur feel good effect that the uh, that kind of you know makes you happy to just binge watch the show probably won't be an award but it's a very nice watch so that's another shout out i wanted to give i'm sure there'll be a mm-hmm. lot more I'm going to have a lot more sitcoms come to mind like Silicon Valley just did with Silicon Valley is also yeah. I'm just going to shoehorn it into my honorable mentions uh, I completely forgot although the last two seasons were very circuitous I felt it was Yeah I felt it was it, 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 it mean the last two seasons specifically the last two seasons you started yeah. a sense of pattern where the, there was a huge exactly. problem at the at the start of the uh, season and towards the end of the season uh, everything was resolved and it was all hunky dory 
and then uh, yes. there'll, there'll be something goes wrong in the last episode and Jack's the cliffhanger for the next scene it's like okay I see rinse and repeat it didn't help that TJ Miller got into the shit that he did during um, yeah. um, during production which is why his character gets uh, written off I think towards season 4 yeah, more or less uh, more or less and uh, like Bachman is such an integral part of that group of people uh, yeah and there are some real star turn performances there kumail nanjiani is absolutely killing it martin him his equation with martin star uh, as gilfoil <laughs> yeah so is that good i mean what a character fake jared fake jared <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah so for those of you who don't know silicon valley is i mean wow is a show yeah, about wow. is is a show about this startup and them trying to navigate the uh, the maze like uh, structure of silicon valley in san francisco while competing against this elon musk slash bezos type character um i think there's a certain character especially in the first season that's supposed to be a, a tribute to a real life investor i i thought it was musk i yeah, think the uh, character peter, peter gregory he's a yeah. stand in for peter thiel again similar characters oh. he's not very personable in person he's little aloof standoffish but a visionary who can almost sort of see the future types supposedly is a peter thiel stand in again peter thiel this is no libel knowing what <laughs> peter thiel did with gawker through hulk hogan i don't want to go bankrupt so <laughs> with all due respect mr thiel <laughs> sure yeah. allegedly 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 yes yes so <laughs> allegedly uh but anyway so it's 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 a show about um a bunch of eccentric characters trying to run a startup and navigating the big bad world uh of tech it's on hbo hotstar wherever you are it's a great recommendation at least the first three seasons i have yes laughed and myself nice stupid position to another show that we're going to discuss down this episode down the line in this episode this is a show that obviously there is no set definition of what a nerd is but this is a show that gets what nerds are a lot better than the other show that we're going to discuss okay uh um, <laughs> you don't want to give it away i don't want to give it away you'll have to like listen to the episode for us to find out um, <laughs> Okay, any more um honorable mentions on your part? For now, just this. <laughs> the list okay, is clear. Let's, let's get you? into my let's get into mine. Um the only reason my first entry is on an honorable mention because I have not finished it. It is Larry David's Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm. In in terms of great first episodes and just generally I don't even know if you can classify this as a sitcom because it's more of an improv show if anything. It's uh, it's a mix it's somewhere between the two. I mean yeah. the situation is written but how they perform those situations I think there's a a strong element of improv if I'm not mistaken. The, yeah, I haven't watched it I I know of it. Uh, I would <laughs> that first episode of of Curb Enthusiasm um, it, it begins with Larry's agent asking him to meet his parents or say hi to his parents. and that's where it starts and that and where it eventually ends up is just wonderful and it ends on this this high tension moment and i just found myself laughing silly now curb has been running since what the late 90s early 2000s yeah, uh, and 
Yeah, and it concluded, and it came back for a new season a couple of years ago after taking a break. Larry Dew took a break and he went his own way. So this is, it's another show I highly recommend you, that you check out to truly see a master at work. Uh, so that's, that's, one, that's one on the list. Number two is another set of writers who will feature prominently in this episode. David Crane and, and Jeffrey Bright uh, got together and wrote a short-lived TV show called Episodes, which ah. ran, ran for about four seasons. And it's about uh, two English writers who have a hit show in the UK and a network, I think CBS approaches them to bring uh, the show to America and to create an American version of the show. So the show is about uh, a high school principal and his relationship with his students. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a sitcom. And they decide to <laughs> recast it in the US. And for the role of, and, and as networks do, they take, they take complete autonomy over the show and start miscasting everybody. And for the role of the principal, they end up casting Matt LeBlanc, who plays yeah. Matt LeBlanc. Like he plays this depraved <laughs> version of himself, like the most asshole you could possibly be. He's going through a divorce. He's running out of money. Uh, he keeps taking jibes at his past <laughs> at his past showrunners and his and his friends so it's, it's it's super funny it's very very um self referential so uh, a lot of fun i think they kind of shat the bed on the fourth season because they didn't run it, didn't produce it for a significant amount of time so it ends kind of neatly but that first season is a, an absolute laugh right at least the first three seasons are really well written and I highly recommend you check them out. I, I'm, this, this, this might go on for some time in terms of vulnerable mentions because uh, there are so yeah. many others that I haven't completed. So I'll just quickly I just add uh, one. realized there's one more I, I completely forgot to mention, but you finished and I'll just quickly spend a minute on that. Yeah, so the other is possibly considered the greatest British sitcom of all time and that's Only Fools and Horses. Um... I have not seen all of Only Fools and Horses because I haven't had access to it. But there is a story of how like I got... 70s, 80s. 80s, yeah. 80s, it's yeah. considered the, the greatest British sitcom of all time. In my youth, <laughs> my, when I was 16, 7, <laughs> when I was 15, 16, my family and I traveled to South Africa for a holiday. And when, the day we got there, we checked into our hotel rooms and we didn't really have anywhere to go. And... Weirdly enough, in South Africa, of all places, I found an old BBC rerun of Only Fools and Horses. And I watched four episodes back to back. It was so hilarious. I've never seen the show and have no knowledge of it. The two lead characters, Delboy and, and Rodney, are trying to hitch up these get-rich-quick schemes, and which ultimately always leaves them falling flat on their faces. There is a great scene which you can uh, find on YouTube, which is... which which revolves with Del Boy around the bar. And it's, it's a mm -hmm. whole scene that takes place around a bar. And it, and it is one of the most iconic scenes in British television, not just in sitcoms. Like if you were to approach somebody in the UK and ask them about Del Boy at the bar, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. It mm. is, it's, it's a three-minute bit and it's hilarious. I, like, I highly recommend you check it out. Just type Only Fools and Horses on YouTube and search for at bar there the first clip that comes mm -hmm. your way is what you're looking for mm. i mean i've i've heard of the i've heard of the sitcom uh, i think it's come up in enough quizzes also if i if i remember correctly but uh, 
just never got around to watching because like you said these older sitcoms are harder to find and your point reminds me uk has a great history of a uh, lot of good sitcoms a lot of good comedy coming out of it obviously sketch comedy monty python is more or less ubiquitous with it but keeping that aside even with sitcoms and i feel uh, i i i'm sure you feel the same i resonate more with the british brand of humor because it's it's more self depreciating as opposed to laughing at the expense of others which is what american humor is predicated yeah. more towards more on and uh, i think uh, indians also maybe find it easier to laugh at ourselves than on others i don't know uh there's that bit and in fact uh british sitcoms are the only exception i make to otherwise not liking laugh tracks uh, in sitcoms whenever there's a sit- uh, laugh track generally in my head the association is oh this, they need a crutch because they're not sure about the quality of their comedy which is again a point we'll get back to later in the episode but i feel with british sitcoms they are not as much using it as a crutch i feel their comedy would work just as well even if you know we were to take that out and you know not have it not have the laugh track mm-hmm. but uh, sorry i sorry to jump into your uh, no no problem i have honorable mention sorry you have now that, now that you mentioned the laugh track so this is, let's actually talk about the first hit sitcom of all time uh, and this is stuff i watched as a child i remember looking forward to it on sundays because for some reason in the 90s um i think z at the time had the rights to it which is i love lucy starring lucille ball so lucille ball and her husband are credited with um, creating the first sitcom that is taped in front of a live audience with like a multi camera mm-hmm. setup which is kind of where the laugh track eventually comes from like friends also which we'll get to at some point in this episode has a live audience i think but as um as time passed the live audience was removed and re- ultimately replaced with a laugh track that was added in post uh, but if you do end up watching i love lucy you will see its influence everywhere um it's basically it's a very small story it's about lucille uh, lucy her husband ricky and their two neighbors fred and ethel if i'm not mistaken uh and the misadventures they find themselves in that's something i highly recommend you checking out if you're interested in the history of the sitcom or like just generally to see where it all began uh, the other two I mean, that i'd like to interest uh, that reminds me in fact i i remember uh, making a mental note to talk about i love lucy just to make this point i'm glad you brought it up mm-hmm. uh i guess it's 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 great to watch say something like an i love lucy or a happy days or cheers because you want to know this is where sitcom the sitcom you know today came from that's it i feel a lot of comedy is very period specific uh you know humor that resonated with audience back in the 50s or 70s or 80s or even 90s uh may not necessarily be as funny to you today uh, or yeah. people who are being introduced to sitcoms today comedy specifically is very era specific that's that's how i look at it which is yeah. also another reason why i feel it's harder to go back and watch older sitcoms because you sh- you needed to have been there to really appreciate it like the way we yeah, love so- sitcoms of our time and age maybe 50 years or not even 20 years on the line our kids or whoever they're going to be like yeah that old shit who wants to watch that they might have something else it harkens back to a time where things were nice and rosy you know they really weren't 
But that's the wonderful thing about nostalgia. Nostalgia is that it glazes over all of the problems of the past and highlights everything that was good about it. Which is why Friends is so beloved. Which is why um, a lot of the those old old form sitcoms are so popular. True. But true. I I also before we like jump jump out of this, my final my final three they're all British television or or UK produced. You have three more in your honorable mention, okay? <laughs> which are uh, I can't talk about it because it'll become an episode by itself. Which are the two Yes Ministers and Yes Prime Minister, which mm-hmm. are which is again great writing. And the other is a more recent television show that has been in the news today because Martin Scorsese was talking about it. Uh, it is Derry Girls. That's on Netflix. Oh, I totally mm-hmm. forgot about Derry Girls. Oh, I love that yeah. show. It's, yeah, it's four girls. um and one guy who are so this guy for a reason i don't want to divulge is the only guy in an all girls catholic school in london in the city of london derry or derry uh mm-hmm. and this is set during the time of the trouble so this is the show itself is set in early 90s for those of you who don't know the troubles are basically this this period of civil unrest caused due to sectarian violence because the irish were catholic and the northern irish were predominantly protestant and there's like the history behind the troubles goes all the way back to the 17th century there's obviously britain's involved in the picture the united like oh, as, as they are you there as they always as per, usual, as per usual yeah yeah so there's a lot of historical context to it but derry girls takes a super refreshing look at uh uh how like we the world might look at the troubles as this you know tragic period in in the in irish history but for people who are living in it and they to it's to a, it's through the perspective of these teenage girls and for them yeah it's it's fine we're in the troubles there are things that happen because of it but hey we're they're teenagers they're going to explore life they're going to like make mistakes they're going to be stupid they do that regardless of the troubles and it's shown so beautifully it's it's i love that show it's amazing yeah, i'm so, so glad you brought it up Yeah, I need need to. Die. I've just started it, so uh, I'll probably. What a pilot, back. right? Did you did you watch the pilot? I know. I just I literally like so today hard. is the day. Today, I'm not even oh, joking. Okay. Today is the day I started because I'm I've been hearing about it for so long, and then I opened up Twitter. The first thing this morning was Martin Scorsese saying, "I watched something called Derry Girls," and the entire cast is just like flipping their shit. <laughs> They're just like, "Oh, I can die now. I can die peacefully. <laughs> oh my God, be right back." Like, okay, you know what? It's, I guess it's about time. Uh, as good a time. Uh, as any to catch up on the show and i just started it so it's it's it, amazing like the pilot is hilarious there's there's so many memorable characters so many memorable lines and it's got that typical northern i wouldn't say northern irish i, I wouldn't claim to know what northern irish humor is but it's not british humor in that sense it's a little mm-hmm. rougher it's a little coarser that's the sort of humor probably that that goes in the northern parts it's it's amazing it's an amazing show yeah. Okay, I think our list of honorable mentions is <laughs> is done. I have one. I, like I said, I, I totally forgot. Like complete other end of the spectrum. Derry Girls is this feel good, you know, cranberry soundtrack. It's all very nice. The other sitcom I want to bring everyone back down to earth. I want to talk about a minute on. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, grimiest bunch of bastards ever put on screen. <laughs> like, there are, there are, there is no redeeming quality in any of them. They're all. assholes uh, these five people five yeah five people who, yeah uh run this bar in philadelphia called paddy's pub mm. uh and they're always 
they're either trying to scam somebody else or they're trying to one up each other they're five friends but you wouldn't believe it for a second that they're friends there's almost like this love hate relationship they have with each other they're either you know manipulative or they're just straight dumb they're mean it's oh man and somehow it's just outrageous comedy like honestly it's always and to me pushes the envelope of what is acceptably funny more than any hmm. other show out there just i've like, heard oh, like are you seriously going there i've seen four seasons i know there are like 12 of them i'm just making yeah. my way through the problem is the reason I, my progress has been slow this is not a show that you can binge watch because after every episode is just dirty you feel cringe like what did they just do in this episode so it's slow viewing you can't just binge watch it binge watch it in one go Okay so no this is no I think that that's what the the number of seasons is the most daunting thing for me because yes. uh I know enough of it's always sunny like I know uh of the cast I know what it's about uh cuz the cast is now you have Danny DeVito in it and then you have everybody else who got famous off the back of it so like there's a lot of it's very much in the cultural zeitgeist so to speak yes, yes. um <laughs> So it's, again that's that's a show I really must get into but um, maybe I feel when both of us are caught yeah tread with Israeli okay should take your advice on it okay uh, honorable mentions the list is done finally the honorable mentions was half the episode now let's oh, <laughs> this is going to be some episode okay all right so uh, my first show is is a show that's this had three seasons up to now i think the fourth season is is coming very soon or i think they're shooting it right now um uh, it is bbc 3's and netflix's man like mobeen starring guskan uh tolu ogunwefund tezelius uh, mark silcox as uncle shady my particular favorite in, in this uh, in yeah, i haven't this watched show. at all so how would you how would you describe it to oh, okay so man like mobeen is basically the story of this ex road man or of this guy who's basically been peddling drugs who's trying to clear up his his life and take care of his his sister aksa while navigating life i think in in birmingham so oh birmingham so it's it's yeah, our it's people like, yeah it's basically our people and so it's this guy who's like trying to navigate um a growing adult uh, society like his his own um the society of of asians in in the city racism tommy robinson types it's and he has like this this wide range of experiences that are absolutely hilarious uh tejelis who plays uh, his his sidekick he plays a, a dude called um, eight eight uh, yeah and he kind of chooses the scenery for the most part he's like a, a great foil to mobin uh, played by gus khan so just mobin play and, like a straight man or is he also part of the wacky stuff he plays it straight like he is the most oh, okay. the most sensible guy he's the guy stuff the, happens to Yeah basically so uh, but the best part of this show the absolute best part of this show is Uncle Shady played by Mark Silcox now this is a guy that apparently moved Shady. yeah he who moved uh, to the UK in the 70s or 80s has been there for ages he's been doing stand up is part of the underground uh, comic scene and he just burst onto the scene with this show and he's again like deadpan humor keeps calling mobin bastard all the time uh and <laughs> and like it, it it's i don't want to like tell you any more there's a great clip about uh about the show on youtube which i think is 
the perfect introduction to what the show is like. So Mubin gets caught um, kicking a dog that's trying to attack them, and everybody tells, puts it up on YouTube saying, "Oh, look at this man uh, kicking dogs." <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so he goes to Uncle Shady. um and asked him to remove the uh, find a way to remove the clip because uncle jedi is supposedly this computer genius like it's it's on youtube you can go check it out so um he absolutely like scene stealer in every scene that he is in it's not all um roses and butterflies there are some heavy moments in there which i think is good for for certain sitcoms especially like a sitcom like this Because which is representing uh, a community, you also wanted to get real at some point, bring up something. I get it. Like it takes up, it take, it takes a look at some real serious issues. Now, now the UK has a serious problem with stabbing because you know guns are banned. The next yeah, best thing yeah. is people show up, people like people get stabbed um, regularly for because that's just I guess how people want to settle arguments. So the, it takes a look at that. It takes a look at um, the drug scene. It also shines a light on. on islamophobia like generally like a, a huge light on islamophobia mm-hmm. yeah and i think this the show basically came out around the time tom tommy robinson was coming to power with his whole little britain ideology for, for those of you who don't know tommy robinson tommy robinson is one of the like this right wing fascist who was um who was very pro brexit when brexit was announced and he's very anti immigrant yeah. and I mean, you know like the classic classic mold of of what you what you Nigel Farage's best friend oh for sure i'm sure they must have run around in some sort of parties like this that so they make fun of nigel farage they make fun of preeti patel it's it's a very culturally relevant program and it's back nice. i think it's back end of this year it's on netflix so there are three seasons you haven't checked it out you so highly highly yeah. nice. no I laugh mean, track running out of sitcoms no laugh track good no laugh track that's a win in yeah, my so, book Nice, definitely. I think I'm. Like I was saying, I've I've sort of run out of I've I've run out of rewatches also to do. So definitely glad to pick something new up and I'll give this a watch. Mm. Nice. So okay, coming to my first um, good sitcom entry. Uh, again, this is a show which tragically at the time of airing did not find the sort of viewership it deserved. Uh, as as often happens with things that are ahead of its time. it got appreciation it got recognition on the dvd circuit it uh, on home dvds and reruns just went crazy it is now a cult classic it was sort of revived uh, around 10 9 10 years ago um, again i'm not really going to get into the the revival because canonically for me the original run of the show is the show anything mm-hmm. outside of that is heresy but uh, for those of you who haven't guessed what show i'm talking about by now I am talking about, of course, Mitchell Hurwitz's lasting contribution to the sitcom world, Arrested Development. Which, so basically, for those of you who have not watched it, it's about this one family called the Bluths, called my Bluth family, highly dysfunctional. And you know, there are a lot of sitcoms where people say, "Hey, this family or this group is dysfunctional." This family is fucking dysfunctional, <laughs> like for real. Like, I I feel like this is this is almost like if Succession played fully into parody. Yes, you'd get exactly. You'd get the show, like ninety percent comedy and ten percent drama. It would have been arrested development. It it's got a money laundering and like treasonous father figure. Uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Tambor plays uh, George Bluth. It's got um, shit. I forgot her name. Uh, Jessica uh, Walters. Jessica Walters mm-hmm. plays the mother. 
Lucille Bluth. Uh, it's got uh, Jason Bateman who plays the protagonist. He's the straight man, Michael Bluth. So he's the sort of guy who has to keep the family together. I'm pretty much verbatim uh, saying the intro of the uh, show, which is the mm-hmm. the intro lays it out. Uh, here's the family. Here's Michael Bluth who has to keep the family together. The Bluths and it's just a dysfunctional group of people. There's uh, Dave Cross, David Cross, David Cross, David Cross, yeah, who mm-hmm. plays uh, my favorite character, Tobias Fumke. Uh, he is a he's a psychotherapist and an uh, and an analyst. Just to give you a flavor of the kind of uh, jokes in the show, uh, he's a psychotherapist and an analyst, and he decides uh, why not combine the two professions and create something new altogether. And with zero thought as to what the outcome would be, he starts printing out cards saying Tobias Junke, an alrapist. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then the genius of the show, the genius of the show is, um, in fact, I would say that's the reason the show didn't work when it was originally aired. In my opinion, there is no better sitcom that is primed for binge watching than Arrested Development because as a show, the way they've written it, there are gags that are set up in the first season. Forget uh-huh. the episode, like episode. Gags set up in the first season, which have a payoff in the third season, in the second season. So, in the weekly viewing format, you're not going to remember these things, say, you know, like six months down the line. So, unfortunately, when the payoff actually occurs, you've forgotten the setup. But the same thing now when you watch it on Netflix and you say you're running through... 10 episodes in a night or whatever, you're able to appreciate those setups a lot better. And I mean, kudos to the writing team. One, because they do all of these, you know, they've laid these little landmines, timed landmines, which burst after some time. And mm-hmm. when, when the payoff comes, it's, it's great. And be it puns, be it visual comedy, be it, uh, you know, uh, the repartee back and forth between characters, the joke density in Arrested Development is, I have not seen any sitcom out there with that sort of joke density. The closest I would say is the, is the second sitcom I want to talk about. I don't want to reveal it now. But even mm-hmm. that is a distant second. Like in terms of joke, if you are able to catch everything that's happening, be it on screen, be it what's being said, or there is something to laugh about almost every 10-15 seconds, which is just like, and it's not like, you know, it's jarring. It's not like, hey, joke random stuff joke it's just going but there's there's enough if you know enough about once you're familiar with the show i think arrested development gets funnier with with every rewatch because the more familiar you get you notice things you didn't earlier and then you're just like wow the show works on so many levels so when i was mentioning at the start right brooklyn and is is my favorite sitcom but i don't think it's the most critically uh whatever uh, greatest or the most accomplished sitcom is because I feel Arrested Development is Arrested Development is as close to a perfect sitcom as you can ever get. The first three seasons specifically. The first you three mentioned- seasons. I haven't watched season four and season five. I heard it wasn't mm-hmm. great. And mm-hmm. after those many, I watched it more or less around the time it had aired. And then obviously I caught it again on uh, on OTT. When did it air specifically? 2004 to six. Four to six, right? I was. I remember. This is what 2010. So the time of hard disks. And hey, you yeah. give me your hard disk. I'll give you some good stuff to watch. 
and yeah. i had arrested develop development on my on i think and i started watching it and i just didn't get into it and i think it stayed there since but now it's like moved its uh, way into streaming and it's it's a show that keeps cropping up like it has had enough cultural influence and also because it basically gave two directors their their directing break yes. i think joan anthony russo uh made their name not just them in uh, fact if you look at that that's another thing i was recently rewatching mm-hmm. it just cuz i was like hey it's been years let's just watch it again and again i laughed at things that i had not laughed at before anyways if you see the directors there's paul feig there's uh, mm-hmm. patty jenkins there's uh-huh. joan anthony russo all of them got their break through arrested development which is kind of nuts right like it's yeah. uh it's like almost like the freaks and geeks of directors <laughs> for for, for directors absolutely I would have actually thought of putting Freaks and Geeks on this list, but it's not really a sitcom. It's more of a, a dramedy. It's not. Yeah, it's not that funny. Like it, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more of. A, I know it's Jared Apatow, but it's. I wouldn't hardly call it a sitcom. It's yeah. more coming of age than than anything else. But no, yeah, yeah, no. Sir, I mean, like you rightly said, it's <laughs> not for everybody. You either like you know in two three episodes in you you know like do I like this brand of comedy or do I not? If mm-hmm. you do, oh man, it's it's something else. Maybe I mm-hmm. I would urge you to give it a rewatch. Just oh no, for sure. It's it's, it's I'm definitely I'm definitely jumping back onto it. I am I am currently finishing up White Lotus, which is a show I overlooked. Oh, I don't know what is happening this season. No, but I no, haven't. I didn't really. see in the first season. So oh, you hadn't first seen season, the first season. No, no. So oh, I, it's beautiful. It, yeah, it was. I was just catching up on it, and um, the second season is silly, which is even more beautiful. Oh, HBO with those production budgets, man. Yeah. But but coming back to uh, arrested development I think Blue Tobias makes an appearance in a Marvel movie I think he is there in what, Infinity War where uh Civil War or Infinity War one of Infinity War where yeah where the Guardians go to confront Thanos and then he's in one of the little cubicles yeah. uh, and in like, fact oh, ah, you... so in Civil War has the stair car which uh, the Blue family members so there's a long back story to it but they don't have a car they've lost their money so they drive the stair car which which you used to climb into planes mm-hmm. so they the blue company has their own stair car and that stair uh-huh. car is there in civil war it's, in, it's, the it's in, the, in the airport fights no oh, interesting i didn't i did not know that okay the russos so the russos have uh, paid homage or paid tribute to their origins where they got their break from yeah. so yeah i mean some, some is, without some us are you Yeah yeah arrested yeah. development has had a great impact on dissemination of pop culture i could do an entire episode of arrested development but let's please move on <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on to my number 2 so my number 2 is um well, that sounds so wrong <laughs> well what are you really much sure about this my number 2 <laughs> is a show that i have actually come to appreciate a lot more on more you watches recently because it can be very hit or miss but the hits are so good uh and this is a show that has been extremely controversial for the way it ended things with its main characters and i think i uh, there are still a, a, quite a few people who don't like it because it follows a traditional american sitcom format which is uh, how i met your mother yeah i know rohit is not the biggest fan of it but what i genuinely like about it is like a couple of things you mentioned with the rest of development that 
make comebacks later on so you set up gags mm. in the first season that ultimately come back later on so there's when you mentioned that the first thing that popped into my head was the study pumpkin which comes back much later i think 4 5 6 seasons later it eventually pops up where this guy where where ted okay let's let's get into how i met your mother for those of you who have been living under a rock and don't know what how i met your mother is about it's a show about this dude telling his kids a story about how he met their mother and it's a story of um of this guy and his friends living in new york um in their late 20s early 30s trying to navigate life trying to navigate dating or career growth marriage children um and that's what i really enjoy about the episode about the show like there's some humor in there that that has not aged very well specifically the barney jokes um mm. like barney uh, he, he's not ross bag i think bag. barney as a character has not aged well no surprisingly he's not ross bag which is for me an achievement by itself because ross, i think papa funny at this point <laughs> yeah dude like like ross is getting beaten by the internet every single day Uh, but like there are there are redeeming qualities about about barney that you really like cater to the same way there are certain like uh, like robin is this fiercely independent woman who is such an alien like creature uh, to the to the general populace at the time she's like this person who doesn't want to have kids uh, is perfectly fine living by herself totally independent um then you have i mean ted is the most whiniest of the lot who's always trying to find love but is learning life lessons through these really painful and kind of funny situations that he finds himself in um i think i've mentioned this on on a previous episode like one of my favorite episodes on that uh, in the in the series is, is an episode called nothing good nothing ever good happens after 2 a.m. which is because if you if you want to do something new at after 2 a.m. it almost ultimately is not benefiting you in any way so just go to sleep and i found that to be so true in my life there is also there's a great episode on how uh, you you can't okay you can't force someone to love you or like you can't try and shift things around to make sure that it looks like fate is guiding you in a certain way and then these little tidbits in there that i uh, i really gravitate to about growing up about life in general that's sprinkled in amongst the silliness that i really really enjoy about the show I I rewatch it whenever I'm doing some sort of like market research work or data work and it's just like this happy ambient show running in the back I'll find myself laughing at some really stupid shit but at the same time I'll also notice something more profound because now I'm old I start to notice things a little more my worldview has changed like I mentioned at the start of the episode I'm very much in my old man years at cloud phase and as <laughs> a result of that there's um, a lot that uh has changed from my own perspective and i assume next year my perspective might be entirely different i don't know but that's the one thing the show really highlights very well which uh i particularly like mm. again i uh, i don't disagree with any of what you've said uh one obviously the ending ending rubs you the wrong way the other thing i feel it's a little it's not an okay i don't mean to sound elitist but it's a very broad based comedy you get what i'm saying like the jokes are yeah. it's for everyone to enjoy i kind of i tend to like sitcoms which are more you know hey, let's take some risks let's i know yeah some of these jokes may not land but for with everyone but for those at whom it does it'll be great so 
that's probably the only it's i'm being very nitpicky it is a by mm-hmm. and large a nice sitcom i i mean I, i'll give that i just raised my hand when you said some people don't like it just to be a bit of an asshole but no i know you don't like american sitcoms i mean i mean like the traditional sitcom format and I th- it's a choice it's, it's something that we yeah. we all have whereas like we've spoken about how i don't gravitate towards the office because i don't like the brand of humor so it's perfectly fine mm. to, to to not accept uh, you know to, to not be a fan of certain things regarding the ending of this show i have really gotten uh like i i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a fan of it but i understand it more than i did the first wow, time i'd love to see you justify this okay because what where the show makes a big mistake uh is it it spends what 20 episodes in 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 the in the marriage mm um which is the line the final the ninth season of our mother mother where and even then like you see the the chemistry between the mother and and ted right like tracy tracy and and ted and the casting in the show is so good like mm. everybody is is so damn good I think that's the only place where um the show sh- could have spent more time like building stuff out with the mother because those two were just an instant hit like a house on all got on like a house on fire and when they set up, like it, it had been coming I think for months that um she was dying and there's a great episode which is which is the time travelers where Ted spends he, he walks I think he he is in he is in the apartment opposite his his wife's at the time and he walks out and then he says if i could turn back time i would walk back into the apartment knock on the door and tell her just how much i love her and how much more time i would love to spend with her uh and it makes all of those moments in the past so much more profound and at the end of the day this show began with robin it ends with robin it began with the blue french horn it ends with the blue french horn which is for me i was like oh okay i, I like how it's tied it did they live a happy life no what happened they might have like they could have they might have broken up but ultimately it's a story of it's it, it's kuch kuch hota hai at the end of the day if you actually think about it uh but in this weird convoluted way but it, it it's like it's bittersweet and i I think that and that's what I really like liked about it. Like I felt like you had heartbreak and then you had possibly um and and you had hope, like hope on the horizon, which is something I really really liked. Very nicely put, but to that I say okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I want to know perspectives. I mean, we're all I'm all about perspectives. No, no, I mean I just felt it's a bit of a I I understand where you're coming from. I just feel it's a bit of a cop out because hey the the show's called How I Met Your Mother and then it ends with him getting back with Aunt Robin which is okay fair I mean I guess it's a bit of fan service but then at some point you should have had the fourth thought. I feel and I I guess this happens with nine season sitcoms that I'm sure they didn't have the end goal in sight at the start so some of it was probably made up along the way. and you some maybe sometimes write yourself into corners that you write your you need to write yourself out of and in the process maybe you feel uh you have to do some things which might in retrospect feel like you're cheating a bit or the cheating is a bit harsh but you get what i mean I, i think what happened for it was they didn't realize how successful it would be I, uh, and that's why 
you have so I think it's like DJ season... Khaled suffering from success. <laughs> no, because seasons five to seven, or at least eight, there are some really nice episodes in there, but there's a lot of padding. That you can yeah. tell, yeah, the the good like you can clearly tell the first three seasons are well written because it it starts with um with the proposal, ends with the breakup, it ends with the juxtaposition of Ted um uh, finally hooking up with Robin and him walking back to find Marshall on this uh, on the stairs after Lily's left him to go pursue something in San Francisco. Uh, it like it it really balanced that well, and I feel. Because the show got so successful, it ultimately kind of be- became um, a surrogate for Friends, right? In a way, right? Because it was almost yeah, yeah. like very similar, um, lot of lot of similarities. Because yeah. Friends ended two thousand two, uh, and two thousand four. Sorry, and this kicked off almost a year after. So, like, there was yeah. very clearly a vacuum there. So, and again, same four friends, four five friends living in New York City. There's another show called Happy Ending. Starring Alicia Cuthbert, that's supposed to be also very good, um, but that didn't end up being too well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can see why people usually associate "Put Friends" and "How I Met Your Mother" in a in a bracket. But what really um, makes me a fan, what what makes me prefer this over that, is the fact that it's a little more re- rooted in reality. I feel Friends is pure escapism in its purest form, and I think we'll get to it. Mm. Um, just down the episode. No, I good points. I think good points all around. Mm. Uh, okay, coming coming to my second uh, sitcom. Right? In fact, while you were talking about uh, how I met your mother, I just realized I completely overlooked a, a favorite of mine, and I'm going to in the moment change change my uh, list. So the controversy, show, the, controversy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the show that I was going to talk about when I mentioned joke density about Arrested Development, the the show that I was originally going to talk about was Veep, Amanda Yanochi, uh, mm-hmm. and show again great repartee, great back and forth. I have mentioned this in previous episodes, so I'm not going to get into it too much. A uh, seven season run again. I think most sitcoms after four or five seasons is that make or break point. You either mm-hmm. end on a high, or you end up inevitably having one two seasons where you're going around in circles, or you're you don't know what you're doing. Silicon Valley had the problem. Veep, as much as it tries, season five, Armando Yanochi left. Six and seven is a bit of is a bit all over the place. Mm-hmm. And the show I'm going to talk about in more detail also suffers from this. I would say season six onwards, Scrubs uh, is the mm-hmm. show I want to talk about. Yeah, it's the same yeah. problem. But before we get mm-hmm. into the problems, let's talk about what a brilliant show Scrubs is. So, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, Scrubs is about a bunch of doctors who are in their residency year. The show starts mm-hmm. off with these three doctors in their residency year, uh, which is the first year after med school. I think where you are sort of like a what's the word? You're under the tutelage of a senior doctor and your apprentice. You're sort of like an apprentice doctor. and mm-hmm. uh, you figure you basically to get practical hands on experience before you graduate to becoming a full doctor that's where scrubs is set it's got uh, zack braff playing jd or john dorian uh, mm-hmm. who is the protagonist mm-hmm. uh, it's got sarah chalk who plays uh, jd's love interest elliot and mm-hmm. uh, it's got donald faison who plays uh, turk christopher turk yeah the real standout of the show for me is john c mcginley who plays Doctor Cox, 
who mm-hmm. is this senior doctor that uh, JD sort of is resident under and who takes who misses no opportunity to make fun of JD in the most creative rants using the most creative mm-hmm. rants and uh, i mean you can all just just go to youtube and google pericox rant you'll find something hilarious to watch <laughs> mm-hmm. and that is one that's one aspect of the show i like then there's janitor played by neil flynn who for no reason hates jd's character and again takes every opportunity to mess with him and to go mess things up for jd however he can and mm-hmm. the other thing that i really love is the bromance that this was for me like the first big bromance like this chandler mm-hmm. and joey but this for me is like the much bigger bromance turk uh, mm-hmm. and jd jd and turk they're just like it's like they're one soul in two bodies it's it's insane it's it ran for i think a total of what seven eight seasons uh eight seasons with the original cast and mm-hmm. they did a they tried to do a revamp in season 9 with an entirely new cast and it got mm-hmm. received so badly that they just cancelled it right away okay smart smart so eight seasons i would say the first five are really good the last the last episode the last season is great because finally there's a lot of resolution for the characters like people who you know at some point would have to get married finally do and mm-hmm. stuff like that but uh, season 6 and 7 is difficult <laughs> okay it's the i same, have you know not... padding yes circuitous character choices it's a network television basically everything associated with network television yes. in 22 episode formats um a big problem with which shows in in the early 2000s or basically just shows before the 2010s and before netflix uh, brought on marathon binging right yeah um okay so but is have that what you number 2 I have not seen Scrubs. Uh, oh damn! Because oh, then you definitely. I, mean, I, I know of it. Like I know. I, I mean, I've I've seen episodes. I haven't sat and watched it in one whole sitting, but I've seen like because it was on cable television so often. I would see one episode mm-hmm. here and there. So I'm familiar with characters and and personalities, but I haven't sat through like a full run of it. Maybe. Oh, there's so much to love about Scrubs. I mean, these were just the 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 comedic aspects of it. In fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scrubs also is unique in the sense that other than like all of the senior doctors in the hospital and the janitor and stuff they're all fairly bitter people but the show also goes out of its way to kind of explain to you why that is it it really hammers home the point of how thankless or difficult the job of being a doctor is uh mm-hmm. i remember making this point in some other uh, episode also I, the the raju hirani episode i was mentioning how scrubs also drives home the point that there are so many situations where um you can do everything in your power as a doctor but you have to i like you have to accept the fact that people are going to die mm. and as somebody who is not in the profession for you and i i, I think that, that i cannot reconcile with the thought it's such a difficult thing to live with on a daily basis and to imagine doc- like i are real life doctors do this i'm just like heroic empathy empathy really takes a back seat for them it just become because you start it's like uh, it's like a job right when you start to see uh, you um, have doctors in your family yeah yeah no generally and uh, it's i think the worst the absolute worst are onco- are oncologists because oh man when I, when i mean worst because that is a that is a life surrounded by pain yes there yeah. are there are few successes but more often than not there are also a lot of a, a lot of failures because people yeah ultimately end up reporting symptoms very late which leaves them with no hope and in some cases people with no money which also 
just uh, hasten uh, fasten like you know pushes them towards an, an early grave yeah. so in fact uh, that's, a, that's another theme that they've sort of i know that i remember that's very specifically an episode on this uh, idea which is that often times patients don't know what's best for them and exactly. you might mm-hmm. want to help somebody uh, with all of your being but if they're not going to help themselves they're going to make choices that harm them you can't really it's i think other it's not your place to tell them hey you can't do this you can help them mm-hmm. when they come to you but then if they choose to not listen to what you're saying like i remember there's a scene where there's a guy who's come in for emphysema or lung cancer and he gets treated and once he's dropped out of the hospital grounds he gets up from the wheelchair and lights a smoke and jd mm-hmm. looks at him he's like people are just going to make the choice they're going to make you can only help them mm-hmm. when they come to you and mm-hmm. you know in in the guise of humor i think scrubs is the first sitcom i watched i watched it when it was airing live mm-hmm. uh, so i was quite young then and i, I felt mm-hmm. it had a profound impact on me because in the guise of comedy scrubs has it's you know that that format where uh, every episode there is there's ample amount of humor but there's one message one really mm-hmm. deep message that there there'll be a monologue that jd does towards the end of the episode which sort of encapsulates the the moral of the story or whatever lesson for the day and mm-hmm. uh, you've laughed your share in the episode but at the end of the episode like wow that was that was a nice thought and does that mm-hmm. consistently for like 5 6 seasons it knocks it out of the park every episode that's how good the show is it's amazing the, you know what i've actually been told a lot about how scrubs is able to marry like the the humor aspect of things with just the real life experiences of of doctors in yeah. and, and and i see it cropping up a lot more you know, on discussion threads on reddit or on youtube where people keep talking about how the show had a profound impact on them so i'm very much in that camp of okay i'm going to sit down and and binge scrubs you should very and, and let yeah. me give you one more reason to try and incentivize you to watch it it's got great music i found a lot of songs that i still listen yes. to because yes of- that's 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 another thing like a lot of people have spoken about the soundtrack even uh, going back to how i met your mother a lot of my favorite it has a great collection of uh, of songs on on the show like there's this one song that is particularly one of my favorites which is um, by this slightly indie band called nadasurf song called inside of love and it i'm listening to that song an ungodly amount of times um, i found how to save a life because of scrubs there's a very especially dark episode. yes i i remember and, i remember it being uh, a part of it yes now though it's all coming back and when i watch like even now i'm getting goosebumps and every time i watch that scene i cry i'm just like fuck this this show hits home but yeah you should definitely definitely those of you who haven't absolutely must give it a watch i don't think any of it even ages badly the humor holds up the none of it is problematic as such even today it's very time agnostic in in that sense the humor may your mileage may vary with it but mm-hmm. so yeah, that's that's scrubs yeah that was mm-hmm. my i feel like we went on a bit of a the like there was we we had a few jokes in here but we also had some very profound discoveries on the episode today yeah not as many laugh okay. tracks as we would have liked to insert but it's okay <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, but uh, all right now that we've we've burst that uh, that moment i'll move on mm-hmm. to my my third entry 
So uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I think we'd we'd gone somewhere. You and I specifically, I think around 2011, and I think we went to get lunch with a friend uh, at mm-hmm. at Plan B, like an establishment famed for its wings back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on the way back, I was showing you episodes of this TV show, which I was really getting into. Uh, I don't vaguely remember this. Hmm. And that is uh, Richard Curtis's Blackadder. Starring Rowan Atkinson, yes. Hugh Laurie, and uh, Stephen Fry. Now, um, I think Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry were additions from season two onwards. They are mm. season two, three, and four. They're in the um, in the show a lot more. Okay. Put another way, Blackadder decided to have a bit of Fry and Laurie from season. <laughs> this is a joke for just I think ten people. Okay, let's put the laugh track in there. Like, let them go research like we have for all the jokes we haven't understood. <laughs> uh, so, Black Adder is written by Richard Curtis, stars Rowan Atkinson, and has four seasons. I think about five to six episodes a season. And it takes Which, this... Something I love about British comedy. There are like five, six yeah. episodes. There's no fucking around. Just tell the few good stories you have and move on. Sorry. Like quality, quality over quantity. And I think Any it's told... Told through different periods in British history. Uh, I think the first season is, is set in a, yeah, yeah. The first season is more is is like uh, uh, is set. I think it's it's probably my least favorite, but it's set at a time like in alternate reality where King Richard the Third ends up winning the war. Yeah, ends up winning the war, gets mistaken for somebody else and gets murdered, which makes <laughs> King Richard the Fourth as. Uh, the heir to the throne, played by played by Brian Blessed, and I think Rowan Atkinson plays his son, King Ed, or Prince Edmund, who refers to himself as the Black Adder, who is trying to push himself up in his father's eyes so he can ascend to the throne. Basically, kill him. It has this weird Macbeth-like quality to to it as well. He's trying to find ways to overthrow his dad. Uh, it's not as funny, and I think uh, they realized because the BBC came back with with notes. And for season two, they introduced Miranda Richardson and it's set during Queen Elizabeth I's reign. Yeah. And they basically, uh, her, her advisors were trying to help her on the court. Uh, and this is where Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie come in. I don't think just Stephen Fry comes in. I mean, just Stephen Fry, not Hugh Laurie is probably even three or four. No, he's in there in three. But this is, uh, this is the season where Tony Robinson is introduced as Baldrick. And Tony Robinson <laughs> as Baldrick is man. It's uh, he has a wonderful bit he's about my, turnips. He's my favorite character in every season. He is by miles. It, it is uh, season two is when the laughs really kick in. Yeah. Some of them, some of the some of the jokes are low hanging fruit, but some of them are absolutely hilarious. Um, especially with with Queen Elizabeth's nurse, who they keep referring to as Nursey. <laughs> all the time <laughs> and of course you have Rick Meyer who, who comes in as Lord Flashheart as a recurring character through the through the other seasons oh man the, the, you you have to watch um, season 2 of Black Adder season 1 you can skip if you're a purist uh, or if you really want to get the start off um, with, with where it all began by all means go check out season 1 I checked out season 1 I'm not a big fan of it but 2 Three, uh, which is set during the Regency, and again, Blackadder is—he's um, the butler to to the to the Prince Regent, the Prince of Wales. 
and the Prince of Wales is a complete idiot played by Hugh Laurie, who is this big uh, falsetto um, yeah. tone dude. Uh, and um, Blackadder, of course, is trying to figure out um, a ways to avoid responsibility and move on. And of course, he meets a, a select bunch of characters who have all these superstitions in the era. Especially, like, there's one scene. Uh, there are two uh, particular scenes that come to mind. One where I believe there is a man played by Robbie Coltrane who is writing the first ever dictionary, <laughs> and, and Blackadder decides to fuck with him by making up words that he thinks should be in there. And <laughs> obviously, there's, there's no source of information, right? So Robbie Coltrane keeps flipping out and keeps flipping through his notes to see if those if those words are in there, uh, and. So this is Rod Atkinson having a joke. Possibly one of the best seasons in television ever. Yeah. Blackadder goes forth. The fourth season of Blackadder, set during the first war, World War One of the Great War. Now this Rohit has a plan. Has plenty to talk about. Now the show is very simple. Uh, Rod Atkinson plays Colonel Blackadder. Yeah. Who is doing everything in his power to not go into no man's land, over the top? Exactly. Yeah. So. The entire season is him in different instances trying to figure a way to not go over the top, and he has Private Baldrick uh, and um, and he would. And Which I, I think, feel is uh, Baldrick at his finest in season four, uh, for sure. <laughs> he has he has a poem called "The German Bombs," which somehow <laughs> made it into the the actual library of royal poems or something in the UK. <laughs> oh my god. And I remember that possibly, line. Uh, Baldrick is carving his name into a bullet. What are you doing, Baldrick? I'm carving my name into a bullet. They say every bullet, uh, every man has the something like, like you, out you there. Know the, like, like out there, there's a bullet with your name on it. So yeah, how they say sure. out there, there's a bullet with your name on it. I said, I thought if I write the name uh, myself, the bu- no bullet can ever kill me. Pity. Amazing. <laughs> 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 I just has, offhand randomly on some day I'll just remember that line and laugh. And it has like uh, my favorite explanation of how the war began. <laughs> and Baldrick thinks it's because of a bloke named Archie Duke shot an ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, Rowan Atkinson corrects him saying the Archduke of Austro-Hungary got shot. <laughs> And then he's like, no, sir, there was definitely an ostrich involved. And But now, the, the, the detail about this episode is the fact that when Franz Ferdinand, who was the Archduke of uh, Austro-Hungary, got shot, he was wearing a helmet with ostrich plumes on it. Uh, so there is, uh, it's smart, like Richard Curtis is a smart, smart fucker. Um, and you have General Melkit, played by Stephen Fry, and his <laughs> subordinate, Captain Darling. Extremely boisterous uh, general. Always yeah. shouting oh, there's, orders. There's a great episode where um, where Blackadder kills a carrier pigeon that just happens to be the general's <laughs> pet pigeon. <laughs> and then he gets tried. Then he gets tried for, for pigeon murder. And uh, Baldrick gets called to the stand. I'm not going to say anything. You have to go watch it. You'll find it on YouTube. Yeah, Just type out of his way to try and get Blackadder in trouble that episode, I remember. Yeah, exactly. And there's a, a great running joke with Captain Darling where they keep referring. The, and like throughout the episode, because his surname is Darling, they're like, okay, yeah. thank you, Darling. I'll see you <laughs> soon, Darling. 
<laughs> and it it really works in the moment but what really caught me with this episode is the final episode of the season which is when they eventually final moment of the season yeah moment yeah they do eventually end up going over the top and you've been laughing for about uh five episodes of at this point and on that the sixth episode is when you're just like oh shit gets real shit gets real like this is a war like people have lost yeah. their we their forgot lives. they're reminding we, we forgot yeah the end it ends it ends with them going over uh, uh going over the top and then it cuts to a field of poppies fade to black yeah, yeah fade to black and then cuts to field of poppies yeah. it's a field of poppies yeah and that's if there is a way to end i'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it yeah and this same. is a show about about a dude called captain darling so <laughs> <laughs> this i mean for us to have, for us to flip that on on its head and still deliver like that punch that really emotional gut punch mad props yeah seriously and i mean not to sound too snotty but whenever like somebody says hey i love rowan atkinson i i almost inevitably make a point to ask uh, where from and when they say mr bean i'm like that's not i mean okay but part of me is like eh. i mean really you, you don't I know mean, like other than you know <laughs> mr bean is funny dude like the thing yeah it is, it is that's why i'm like i'm not you know i'm not saying they're wrong but, but like, it almost like it almost overshadows it almost overshadows the brilliance of black cat that's the problem because he was such a big success in the 80s and then mr bean comes on again richard curtis they become this insane uh, duo it becomes so popular yeah. and because must have uh, been he he barely has dialogue it it can play globally he, right yeah he transcends uh, language yeah which is is the best part of it i get it i get it but black cat is funny mm. anyways yeah, that's, that's, that's my my personal preference as well yeah yeah but uh, good that you you ventured uh, you jumped across the pond uh, so to speak mm. because even my uh, next uh recommendation or whatever next item on the list is is a british show again i'm going to quickly cheat here because there are two that i want to talk about so i'm going to quickly spend i'm going to divide my time i told you i mean i'm not going to stick to the format so i want to spend a bit of time each on two shows one is uh bbc's coupling uh which is i think late 90s show early 2000s late 90s early 2000s 2001 early 2000. to 2004 i think yeah so this is yeah. sort of like a fucked up british friends right so it, yeah it really is <laughs> it it pretty much is it's again bunch of guys bunch of girls uh they start out as friends but you know things get complicated as they inevitably often do uh i won't get into the dynamics when i say it's it's uh it's similar to friends that should give you most of the answers that you need to know but with a british humor spin there's the there's one character called jeff who is sort of like the british uh joy joy but mm-hmm. so much funnier and so much worse and so much more perverted and so much more depraved you're just like how can how can a person like this actually exist in polite company because jeff's mind is the pits of hell like <laughs> <laughs> so basically jeffrey almost jeff jeff almost ultimately ends up finding himself in these extremely weird situations seriously uh, like he has no filter and i don't think he particularly cares he's a man that's swinging for the fences all the time Yeah. which leads to some humor having rewatched coupling about 2 years ago some of it has not aged well i can i was just going to say i'm 100% sure a lot of it today if you watch it be like 
I'm not comfortable with this. Oh, so, so much, yeah. Like specifically the episode where uh, he meets the the Israeli girl, mm. and uh, and <laughs> she thinks and like they and they have the you know where they they swap the the language situation where like he basically yeah, just starts yeah. yelling breasts at her randomly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He literally yells at her breasts. Yeah. So it's slightly uncomfortable. I was watching with a friend and you both like, oh, okay, maybe we should switch it, switch to a different episode. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's some there's some episodes which are again time specific, situation specific. Maybe it's funny in the moment, but uh, down the line not so much. But I mean, I'm, again, I haven't watched it since I first watched it in college. But my memories of it are just like I don't remember laughing. I've or very few times have I laughed as hard. There's one. I, I think there's this one episode where um, where they go to Patrick's house to get a sex tape that has Susan on it. Oh man! Susan walks into the room. He just has sex tapes of all the women he slept with. So so Joey or friends is split into two characters in the sense that Jeff has the depravity and the fucked upness of joey and patrick is the mm-hmm. player he's got the player aspect of joey in that yeah. sense so and again not to draw too many parents to friends but coupling is great it's a standalone great sitcom not all of it unproblematic but a great one time watch at least like i would say it's a three season sitcom because the fourth season richard what what's this guy name? who plays jeff is not there yeah. So I, again, I, I kind of discount that season. Coupling without Jeff doesn't make sense. Yeah, because he was uh, he didn't want to get typecast in a role, so he quit, and they Too replaced him with another dude. Three seasons of Jeff, and you're going to be Jeff for life. Yeah, even now, I think if you see him on television, I think I saw him in Prince of Persia. I'm like, hey, that's Jeff. So <laughs> it, he was so good in it, and written by Stephen Moffat, who then went on to write yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, the other the other British show that I want to quickly talk about is uh, David Mitchell and Jeremy Webb's Peep Show. Uh, mm. This show is revolutionary for me in the sense that the entire show is from a first-person perspective. So when something Ooh. is happening to David Mitchell's character, you don't see David Mitchell on screen. You see it from his POV. Likewise, if you are, something's happening from Jeremy Webb's character, I'm forgetting the character's name, but if anything's happening from his POV, it's just the camera is... So it, it's... And that's hence the name Peep Show. So mm-hmm. one, the way you the way you're watching the show itself is like nothing else out there. And again, it's it's in that mold of coupling in the sense that I'm not sure a lot of those jokes would be okay today. But mm-hmm. there are situations in Peep Show. It's there on Netflix. There are situations in Peep Show that I watched where I have literally had stomach cramps from laughing. Like David mm-hmm. Mitchell is. For me, the epitome of, you know, that straight-faced, awkward comedy when somebody, fish out of water, straight man who is socially awkward and just has fucked up shit happen in his life. Mm-hmm. David Mitchell plays off of that better than anyone else I've seen. It is just amazing. Like, I literally have had stomach cramps. I've had like stomach pain laughing in, in moments. of, And it in, in, in fact, it was the first time I'd, I'd uh, come across Olivia Coleman. She plays... Uh, David Mitchell's on and off girlfriend in the show. Uh, and then later on, I saw her in Broadchurch. I was like, hey, this is the girl from Peep Show. And obviously, now she's, I know her as a lot, lot more than just that. But uh, again, a lot of people who you probably see for the first time here who went on to have pretty good careers. You reminded me of another show. 
the IT crowd, which ah, is of yeah. yeah, Richard Ayoade and uh, yeah, Chris or Chris or not, yeah. Oof, that, <laughs> there's an episode at in, in the first season where I have just doubled over laughing. I've fallen off the couch and love. Uh, it's just the IT crowd again is. It it was kind of like Silicon Valley, or like more like again, it's a it's a corporate, uh, it's it's a take on 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 corporate life in in the UK, and I don't. And speaking of corporate life in the UK, we haven't even spoken about the office, but I'm not. A, I mean, I, I much prefer the UK office to the US office, but not not. I wouldn't call it my top three. So okay, so for the interest of time, let us quickly move into our. So before we yes. move on to. All of the British shows that we uh, hmm. mentioned: Blackadder, Coupling, uh, Peep Show, as well as IT Crowd. Those of you who haven't watched, hmm. please make it a point. You'll definitely, at least, I believe, once you watch these shows, you can't go back to American sitcoms. Yeah, for for sure. And uh, I think speaking of American sitcoms that were completely ass that I don't like, <laughs> after after having watched British uh, sitcoms, let's talk about the American remake of Coupling. Now uh, I had erased that memory from my mind. I don't know why you had to bring it back. You seen? I've I've seen one episode and it was same. I saw one episode. I'm like, what the fuck? It was possibly one of the worst experiences I've had. Now I think this is this is certifiably certifiably one of like a, a bad show. I think the other entrants in this particular category are more subjective, but this is bad. Like I think Rohit and I both agree on this. Yeah. This is this is bad. Uh, not not a fan of it at all. Like their version of Jeff, they basically picked the worst traits of those characters and added like an American angle to it, and it just didn't work. It was yeah. not funny. It was very cringe, and that's why the show didn't last more than I think four episodes. Perfect. That's exactly what it deserved. Mm-hmm. And I think generally U.S. adaptations of U.K. shows, I think Office is the is the is the outlier, yeah, for sure. Outlier, but uh, even Utopia, I don't know if you've seen the the sci-fi. I haven't show. seen the the, yeah, the U.K. one, but I've heard like I watch saw an ad for the U.S. It's just mm-hmm. oversaturated colors, which is so trippy when you watch. It's like yellows mm-hmm. are jumping out, greens are jumping out. Visually amazing, story mm-hmm. amazing. Acting amazing, and they adapted into the US. I watched one episode. I'm like, nah, I can't vibe with this. With Rain Wilson, right? Rain Wilson is in yes, just in the show. Yeah, you can't have big okay. name characters play those. But anyway, coming back to coming back mm-hmm. to coupling. Yeah, I think deservedly four episodes got booted. Exactly mm-hmm. what that trash piece of trash deserved. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's my first entry. What do you do? You want to go there? Um, good that we're not spending too much time on the bad ones. Mm. I think we talk too much about it. We'll just get irritated. We don't end the episode on a sour note. Coming yes. to my first one, uh, I want to talk about. Uh, like I mentioned right at the top, Silicon Valley does a great job of, uh, at least a decent job of representing what nerds are like. Mm. Uh, this show does an ass job of. Uh, as as a nerd, I I and I I I fully believe Abhin and I are both nerds. I <laughs> take full objection to the way nerds are represented in uh, the Big Bang Theory. uh i mean when you are using nerd stereotypes as a standalone punchline for your shitty laugh track fuck off that's all i have to say now okay hear me out on, on the big bang theory the first 3 seasons of big bang theory are fun watches like are breezy watches 
because the first season of big bang theory introduces to you these two guys living in an apartment from a hot girl um uh, and they're just basically trying to figure out a way to like talk to her it's that introvert meets hot girl situation and kelly who goes very hot let's let's be honest and what and funnily enough the thing that attracts you to the show is jim parson sheldon cooper because you find this dude who's capable of memorizing insane amounts of dialogue centered around scientific detail and just like pushing them out like and, and basically reciting it for comedic effect and it works yeah. like so much so that there's a show called young sheldon that's currently doing quite well i haven't bothered seeing it but it you know it, it's on network television i mean you have like this group of misfits in with with leonard um sheldon i think they're both named named after scientists if i'm not mistaken leonard hofstadter um, and i don't know who sheldon's named after yeah they're both named after scientists you have howard you have this dude called raj kutrapali and my and it, so there was there was enough of like enough funny humor around the first two three seasons before it started becoming repetitive and became becoming very stereotypy like i remember laughing is a great joke about the chicken maharaja mac which feels which again is a very indian joke i have no idea what's it what it's doing on network television in the us <laughs> so in india in india we don't have a big mac we have something called a maharaja mac yeah. there's there's a fair amount of detail in research it's not just like stereotypes for the sake of stereotypes like apu boys by hank azaria i haven't even spoken about the simpsons the simpsons in terms of sitcoms that's a uh, we'll we'll uh, animation caveat we'll address it some mm. other time <laughs> so okay huh but yeah for at least for the first three seasons i didn't at least four seasons if you want to stretch it that far it wasn't as bad but i it just became this trope that they beat to the ground from season 6 onwards and i stopped i think it's season 8 is when i stopped and it ran for four seasons after and the only reason it ended was because jim parsons walked away saying i don't i want to explore yeah they would have flogged that horse to death i'm sure i don't know like yeah, I, the way i i remember reading somewhere i don't recall what the other show comparison was i uh, but it was like i think it was it's always sunny in philadelphia is about smart people writing about uh, is smart people writing about dumb people or how they mm-hmm. perceive dumb people would behave and mm-hmm. uh, big bang theory is dumb people writing how they perceive smart people would behave and to me it's like apparent i i mean i i i hear you that the first three seasons are maybe relatively uh, more palatable i feel is mm-hmm. because the drama of the characters like will they want they between lenner and uh, uh, i forgot her name kelly coco's character penny, penny. penny. the drama mm-hmm. sustains your interest enough to tolerate the humor beyond season 3 or midway through season 4 when the drama also becomes cumbersome like it's just i have no reason to watch this crap i would rather go off and masturbate like, fuck this shit like I really hate. Oh, that that trope has made a comeback, is it? <laughs> it's been a while since I heard that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's Big Bang Theory. Let's not waste any more time on this. What's your? It next was also show? it was it was also my number two on oh, number two Yay, on my list. Two for one. Yeah. And, yeah. So um, I'm glad that's out of the way. Um, and I think this is also might also be on your list, which is Two and a Half Men, a show that. Yes. I think I just got off because one, this is against Chuck Lorre. Okay. Was part funny. of Chuck Lorre's third verse. I mean, he has some good <laughs> shows, Cominsky method and stuff, but still. Hmm. Uh, I still really like that the notes Chuck Lorre would leave at the end of each episode. 
and I yeah. would remember pausing episodes to, to read yeah, what he yeah. said. And there'd always be like these weird, really eccentric notes. Uh, and one of the few things that attracted me towards his his work. Now, Two and a Half Men, it's a tale of two brothers, played by Charlie Sheen and John Cryer, and, uh, and John Cryer's young son. And their misadventures living together. That's all I can say, really. I mean, I, I started watching it because Charlie Sheen went on a bit of a rant yelling about tiger blood sometime in the in the late 2000s yeah i watched it i watched it when i had chicken pox i remember and i laughed it a bit but i didn't really pursue it and it not you my kind of humor with the fever i mean you couldn't you didn't realize hmm. no but i know that you have thoughts on two and a half men so please do take it away i mean two and a half men was problematic at the time it aired forget now <laughs> it's got crass humor it's it like it's at least Big Bang Theory can hide behind the veneer of, hey, we're trying to represent uh, an un- relatively unrepresented, whatever, like, you know, we're shedding light mm-hmm. on that. This is just like full-on jock lives with whatever. You're trying to mine comedy from the dynamic of three men or two and a half men living under one roof, which that mind runs dry like this. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the show is just Charlie Sheen's misogynistic misadventures. That should That's what the show should have been named. Charlie Sheen's mm-hmm. misogynistic misadventures. It, I mean, it's as funny as a funeral in the show. Yeah, funerals are generally supposed to be funny, right? Like it's, or is that the wake where people are laughing because you laugh in grief or something? Yeah, I, I don't know. But not in a good way. I mean, guess okay, this is this is like like a funeral in the worst way possible, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Not that's not a that's not one of those funerals. Okay, let's let's keep us moving uh, towards the end. Yeah. Uh, what do you have? The other one I have is uh, Two Broke Girls, of which I think, again, I, I watched uh, one and a half episodes, I think, mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix or whatever OTT platform it was on. And I remember throughout the first episode, just poker face, like, hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that the joke? Okay, like, laugh track is playing. Okay, cool. All of that, fine. Um, I, I didn't I didn't crack a smile throughout and I'm like, fine, like this exists. I will never revisit it again. It can burn in hell. And I don't want to spend any more time beyond that on two, bro- two Broke Girls because again, there's an honorable mention in shows I don't like. Again, it's I'm, I'm being a little harsh here. I don't dislike it. I just feel it's not as good as people make it out to be, which is Friends. Mm-hmm. Again, not a, not oh an opinion. What, what, a, what a shocker to end the episode on. Yeah, not, not something uh, that I haven't said before. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's a whole You're not. I think it's very much, it was initially like the edgy opinion in the early 2000s, late 2000s. And now it is very much the main opinion on Friends. Yeah. I feel like the generation that grew up, basically the Gen Z kids that grew up, were very, uh, have all been like, this show is problematic and extremely idealistic and not fun. Yeah. I... The, so the thing was when I first moved, Friends was really like was kind of this um, this cushion like of comfort. Mm. I'd watch it every yeah, night yeah, before it's, I went it's to like sleep. Like a warm comforter. But there's not much else. It's like uh, it's like empty calories. It's like you consuming a can of Diet Coke. Um, you feel good while consuming it, but then uh, at the end of it, you're like, okay, I think I just wasted my time there. So it's it's ambient. It, it serves as ambient television and also. Uh, the reason why people are still watching it, why Netflix has held on to it in international yeah. territories is because 
it has immense rewatch value to a certain audience but it represents a very if idealistic I look right for metric uh, for netflix uh, it'll really help drive up the user engagement metric with the platform hey we have users coming back to the platform and time spent on platform okay i'm i'm getting a little technical here but time no, spent on platform no. as a metric it'll help drive that up for netflix but at, at a level you know like this bullshit people have just put this in the background while they're doing something else they're not really engaging with your platform like you know it's a hollow metric this is watch time right for them it's just like they they're really big on watch time yeah but like yeah i guess how does it matter the quality i mean how else are you engaging i, I guess what yeah, I guess. netflix they have a show coming out called kaleidoscope which basically depends will follow a story format in the way you watch it it's a set of episodes uh and the tell a story but if you watch it linearly you'll you'll get a linear story but if you watch different episodes of different parts it'll tell you a different story oh wow uh, okay starring jenkala espesito so i think they bandersnatch was another thing where it, like you can actively engage but besides this yeah. watching stuff um friends is um uh, like it it's up there with one of the most watched shows ever and I feel over the last year or so, maybe so close to actually since the pandemic, I started watching it during the pandemic, and I just like there were things about it I began to dislike like actively. Like maybe it's as you grow older, you get more cynical. <laughs> but even then, you might crave a world that's far that's more ideal. But with with fans, it was just things you began to notice that really rubbed you the wrong way. Specifically, Ross. Um, mm. Now, for me, growing up, when I first saw Ross, like back in when I was a child, I thought he was a very endearing guy, poor guy, down on his luck. But no, Ross is an asshole. <laughs> he is. He's, he's a he's, manipulative, withholding. Uh, I wouldn't say misogynistic, but insane. He's not misogynistic. He's just yeah, very insane. There's a great video on YouTube which basically like says it has a it, it's a supercut of Ross saying things without the laugh track, and it just sounds. Super, sounds super like a psychopath, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. Psycho Ross. The representation also kind of is very weird. It's it's a very white show that hasn't um, sustained yeah. the the test of time. You can like there are very few people of color on the show. If not, they're just like stand-in girlfriends here and there or like um, extras. Yeah, Aisha Tyler is probably the most prominent character. Like, yeah, and that's what season ten. Nine or ten. Yeah, nine or ten. It's like finally okay, cool. We'll get somebody. Mm-hmm. Stop bickering. Like stop. Fine, we'll do it. It made superstars of the entire cast. I think. Um, But nobody, five... with the exception of maybe Aniston and two or mm-hmm. degree. Uh, Schwimmer. Schwimmer. No, but they didn't become movie stars. They were TV stars. Yeah, Schwimmer. Aniston I think bec- when more. Mm-hmm. No, Shrima. Anderson hasn't. I think it had the so when Anderson was married to Pitt, and then she had like a she, Hollywood really tried to make her career happen in the nineties. Yeah. Like she was in a bunch of films that didn't end up doing too well, and I think she eventually found her way uh, in in the comedy route. And I think on the on the morning show, she's particularly good, uh, which is a show on mm. on Apple TV. If you if you want to check out, she's very good on there. Um, Courtney Cox was. Had fame in this through the screen movies. She was, yeah. I mean, she plays Gail Weathers, so she's quite successful there. Matt LeBlanc was one who suffered the most. I think Matt LeBlanc and Matthew Perry suffered the most because even 
Matthew Perry is the best thing about Friends, which is, I mean, he's he's saying some really stupid shit these days regarding Keanu Reeves and so. But he was the best thing about Friends because he he would improv, he would help write, and yeah, he, he really he carried pulled his weight. Yeah, and and his speaking of weight, like his fluctuating weight during the show and his drug addiction, um, kind of rubbed people off the wrong way. Yeah, during production also is, is what I believed. Um, Shrima, I think, is more well-rounded. He was in Band of Brothers. He did. He had, I mean, he was in Madagascar. He Shrima, did a bunch of the, movies. All of them, I think, Shrima also came from the best pedigree. He had a drama theater background. He had a legit. Like, yeah. He was an actor's actor. He wasn't just. Mm. Yeah, but I, but I, I think they all did the smart thing because you might have sacrificed a career of movie star success. But you will never go hungry, and your children will never go yeah. hungry. <laughs> Next seven generations. Because if I am to believe, if I if if those numbers are to be believed, the syndication rights for Friend each year nets the cast twenty million a year. Oh my which god! They each and whoever created that deal, it's a deal that's frowned in upon in Hollywood because they're like, who the fuck gave that deal? Yeah, like execs would uh, probably be like, how can, how did this goof up happen? How did talent end up exactly. making so much money? Exactly, right? Like, and but through purely through syndication rights alone, the cast never has to work another day in their life. Damn. No, I get, I get that, and I get the ubiquity of friends, and I get why it's just it's a good show. It's not a great show. I mean, there's it's not Seinfeld. There's Seinfeld think... in the we didn't we didn't get into Seinfeld because neither of us have really watched enough of it. But mm, yeah, same time frame, similar time frame. Seinfeld, from what little I've seen, is a much better show than this. There's so many out there. I think Friends was for some reason just the right place, right time, right mix, or right message just resonated with people. So. I think there was a wave, it just rode that wave and sort of amplified it as well. I don't know. Hmm. It, it worked out for them. Lisa Kudrow, who's also had a pretty good career. I think Fast Times at Richmond High. Um, and she's she's on another show recently. She was also in Good Place very briefly for an episode hmm. or two. Well, she's she's the lead on some show right now. And but even she described it in the 2000s saying, it's not real life. It's like it's a super ideal world. Yeah. And I think what really started to bother me about Friends is every time they approached a point of conflict, it would like, uh, the band would play them off into another scene. <laughs> so, so I'd keep making jokes about this to my partners. Being like, you know, every time we have a fight, I hope a band walks in and just cuts our argument in half. And the next time we're at a, bar, at a coffee shop, just chilling and drinking coffee. So we don't even have to have this argument. Yeah. Imagine how convenient that only life were that simple. Hmm. But anyway, I think that's as good a way to end this episode. Yeah, side side. Not was it a bit of a bummer ending? No, not really. It was okay. All right, one more laugh track here. Here we go. But I mean, no one... the laugh track is actually performing its function, artificially manipulating the the listener or the audience into believing, "Hey, I'm having a good time." <laughs> <laughs> so no one told you this episode was gonna end this way. This way. <laughs> uh, wow, we're terrible. No one, no one's ever gonna hire us as comedy writers ever. Yeah. Okay, that's us. We'll be back again next week. With in our similarly the... equally lazy uh, topic selection. 
No, no, it, it'll be more well researched. I promise you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, let's not do ourselves dirty like that. I mean, we're I know we're brand. We're like big fans of British humor. If you don't know, but we're not that self-deprecating. Or maybe we actually are. We don't know. We're on the on the five stages. Acceptance is coming soon. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's. But us. yeah, that's us. Uh, see you on the next one. Bye bye. Take care. We will see you.